You're listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is baptistchurch.com. You know, sometimes bad things happen, things we don't understand that don't make any sense at all. And I think that's what Jesus had in mind. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, this is the greatest sermon that was ever preached on the earth. This is called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus comes to the end of this sermon, and this is what he says. So in Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 24, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, now he's talking chapter 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount. For everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what? into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the what on the rock the rain came down the streams rose the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the what on the rock But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on what? On sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We give you all the glory. And Lord, we know that, Lord, no matter what storms may come in our life, crisis, difficulties, that is the firm foundation of our life built on Jesus Christ that keeps us resting on that solid rock. Christ, the song says, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We love you, Jesus. Open up your word now and we pray this. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, you can be seated. You know, uh, I I have to say, and I know it's a low crowd, but hopefully people are watching live stream, that for some time now there's been a heaviness in me, especially for parents, uh, for parents that are raising children, parents raising young children. You know, there's a lot of things that are being put out today that is literally warning this nation, warning the world of all kinds of problems that we may be facing in the near future. The possibility of our economy, not only of a recession in this country, uh, talk of a worldwide recession. Uh, There's talk of global war. There's talk about uh, another pandemic. Things that are happening in that world right now as as variants continue to creep up and what could still creep up we live in a very very uncertain time and you know as parents especially parents raising children um it can be frightening and and so to me as a pastor and, and, a, and a man who not only has four children, but 16 grandchildren and, and four son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws, to me, it, it weighs heavy on my heart. You know, how do I prepare uh, my grandchildren when I am in their company? How do you prepare your children and grandchildren in these uncertain days that we face? 
And you know, we talked about this. We said four things. You know, first of all, we said this, and it came out of Nick Trenton's book, Stop Overthinking. We basically said, you know, these are good catch words for you as an adult, for me as an adult, for us as even in raising children and for children. We talked about the word avoid. You remember? There's some situations, some people, some circumstances. We need to teach our children, wait, is this something I need to run? I need to get away from. So do I avoid this? Uh, then we said, hey, sometimes we can't avoid, we're, we're, we're there, and maybe God's called us to alter that circumstance, that situation, that relationship. In other words, God, have you put me here to be the salt, light, and yeast? Sometimes we can't, we can't avoid it. Sometimes we can't even alter it at the time. It may be over a long period we might. So then it comes down to that point that what? What are we going to do? We just accept it. It is what it is. God, you have me in this situation. You have me in these circumstances. So God, what is it, listen, that you're trying to change in me through these difficult people, through these difficult circumstances? In other words, God, you're doing a work in me. And then the last one was what? We just learned to adapt. We just realized that, hey, there are some things in my life God's trying to change. Now listen, let me get busy and start changing those things right? Whatever it may be. It may be a man works in a job, he's in a difficult situation, and he's having to learn to bridle or control his temper, right? So God may say, I'm not going to remove you, remove you out of that situation. I want that situation to change who you are, right? Well, then we went on to say this, you know, how come in this city, how come in this city, in so many cities around America and around the world, how come in this city so many people end up under the bridges? I mean, Brother Jeff, you've been doing this for over 20 years. What is it about homeless? How, do, how does a man or woman, listen, you know what I think? Ledge quotes me on this. <clears throat> but I have never been unkind to a homeless man or woman. Now, I want you to listen, because every homeless man or woman that I've ever looked at, when I look in their eyes and I look in their eyes, I always think to myself, that could be one of my children, that could be one of my grandchildren. Right? Well, how does a man or woman... And I often think that. When I think about that, I think about when that homeless man or that woman was born. As they came into a marriage, they came into a family, a mom held this, this newborn baby, uh, boy or girl, for the first time. How did this newborn baby, with all the hopes and the dreams of those parents and that family, end up up under a bridge? Have you ever thought about that? Let me tell you. Some of it was because they didn't learn to avoid. They got linked up with the wrong people, Right? They got in their own friendships and they took them down the wrong road. They didn't learn to avoid. Nobody taught them to avoid. They didn't avoid. Nobody taught them about altering, realizing that they're the salt, light, and yeast and telling them how God wants to use them for His purpose and His plan. Nobody taught them how, that, how they have to learn to accept and realize there may be some things in their life that God is trying to change and that they need to learn to ad adapt and become who Christ would have them to be. They didn't learn that. But we went on to say this. 
there were also critical problems in the life of homeless. And I, and I put down that, that first one. That first one was no dad. You remember? I've never, listened. I've never met a homeless man or woman. Nobody, nobody. 20 years of doing it under a bridge who had a dad. So no dad. Secondly, we said substance abuse. Often what happens to people that end up under the bridge is that they have an addiction. They have a stronghold. It's alcohol. It's drugs. Sexual promiscuity. Pornography. Whatever it is, they have an addiction. And listen, we said this. Often that, uh, that addiction came through a parent who never came to terms with the addiction and then passed it on to their children. And we said this. Mom, Dad, if you have any addiction that you're battling with, you do whatever you have to do to get control of it because the reality is a strong possibility you pass it on to your children. You remember? I told you about David, lived back down here in the tent, now dead. He's dead, like so many homeless. Who remembered his dad from the time I asked him about alcohol and about beer, and he said from the time he could remember his dad took a nipple off a bottle and put it on the bottle of a beer and secured it and laughed and gave him beer from the time he could remember his entire life. He died an alcoholic at a young age. We went on to say this, that often what you find with homeless is panic, anxiety, depression. It's anxiety to the degree that they deal with panic attacks. So what they do is they self-medicate. Listen, they never have a parent that takes the time to teach them what I've taught you. Avoid, alter, accept, adapt, who is pouring into their children, teaching them about life. They didn't have that. So what happens is a lot of times they get called up because they have no dad, no patriarchal figure in their life. They get caught up in substance abuse, which is often passed on from parent, which then, before long, it's not only substance abuse, abuse, it's this abuse that becomes the way by which they self-medicate their anxiety. A lot of men and women who are homeless are self-medicating their anxiety through their addiction. Am I making sense? Do you hear me? Say amen. That means so be it. They deal with a level of severe anxiety. Listen, parent, children today are manifesting stress, irritable, irritable bowel, anxiety, panic, to a level that a parent has to be much more in tune at a younger age. And hey, listen, if you're pushing and driving them in academics, sports, or whatever your little pet peeve or soapbox is, you may be driving your children eventually toward a level of anxiety that will push them into an addiction. Be very careful. Know when you take off work and you go to the school and you check them out and you pour into them, no matter if you lose your job, lose your home, Lose your house, lose your car, lose it all. Because there ain't nothing worth your child ending up in some of the situations that we see the homeless. Young girl from up north 
Willie and I found with her boyfriend in the hot water heater closet outside the kitchen and all kinds of drug paraphernalia laying around there. And as we talked to her, this scarred up, bruised up, bag of bones, beautiful girl, I thought to myself, how did you end up here? Well, what's the last one? The last one is this, is a catastrophic event. In other words, what I've discovered when I look at the homeless sometimes and I begin to, when I begin to talk to the homeless, my finger is shaking so bad I can't get my notes up. What you find is also men and women who have experienced some catastrophic event that redefined their life in that moment. They never got over it. I'll give you an example of, of, of people. Well, the CPA, second graduate out of Ole Miss, African-American, who said his wife had an affair, ran off with another man, took his six-year-old son. He never got over it. He lived right up under this bridge up here. Hey, listen, his home up under the bridge is cleaner than some of your houses that you live in. It looked like a dental office. The loss of his wife, the, loss, the betrayal of his wife, the loss of his son redefined his life and forever shaped him in a direction. It changed him. And parent, let me remind you, there is no guarantee that you will see that toddler, that elementary age child, to adulthood, through adulthood. You don't know. That's why you're pouring into them right now, laying that solid foundation that Jesus spoke about a moment ago because no matter what comes in their life, you're going to give them every coping skill they need to make it because you may not be there. You never know. Catastrophic event. Something happens. Redefines their life. Stephen Curtis Chapman, many of you know him, a Unbelievable Christian musician, artist, unbelievable guitarist, just a great guy. Years ago, Stephen Curtis Chapman, him and his family were outside. His wife, his children were there. They were outside. They lived down a long gravel rural road back up to their place. Their teenage son was coming down in his truck or in, a, in an SUV. He was coming down, coming down there when their daughter... Their daughter, and I think if I remember her name, she was five years old, Marie Sue. Marie Sue was running out or out to that driveway, and all of a sudden they started screaming because they realized their teenage son did not see that she was running up to the truck. He hit her, and he killed her. Stephen Curtis Chapman said at that moment they called the ambulance, but she was, she was, she was, she was going. They knew she was dying. And he was cradling up his little five-year-old daughter while at the same time he had his, his son who was just having a complete meltdown. When the ambulance got there, Stephen Curtis Chapman picked his little Marie Sue. They laid her on that stretcher, put her into that ambulance. And, and Stephen Curtis and his wife, they were in the vehicle and they were leaving. You know what he did, this dad did? He hung out the vehicle, looked at his son who was collapsed in the front yard, and he called him by name and he said, Son, look at me. 
I love you. I love you, son. And their testimony and their witness, he wrote an unbelievable book that I, that I bought just... Just, it was just the picture of a family in a catastrophic crisis and a dad being strong enough to know that his son needed him in that moment to say, son, no matter what happens, I love you. Let me tell you about men and women you see on the streets. Many of them have never had anybody who hung out a window and told them in a crisis, I love you. I may get in trouble for this, Willie, forgive me, uh, because Willie knows it as well. But Leroy, Leroy that we've seen around here periodically, Leroy doesn't have nobody. His dad died, his mom died, and guess what? He had a brother. His brother was killed by a bunch of drunks that hit his brother on a bicycle. And his mom never got me on that. Hey, I could tell you stories all day long. Linda down here, her husband and two kids got in the vehicle to go run down there and never came back. They were all killed, R.E.N., living under a bridge. You want me to tell you some more stories? I can tell you a lot more. And believe you me, Alan back there in Legend, people that work with Mute can tell you a lot more than I can tell you now. What did I tell you? That every homeless person is a story. And the reality is, for many of them, they came to a crisis or something happened in their life. Don, who hung himself on the back of this house. Don, who WAPT, what's the ABC affiliate? What's that worthless group called? Is that WABT or whatever they are? I hope they sue me. Because I don't have no use for the ABC affiliate news here. Because of the heartache and stress that they've put this church through in the past. They did a story because we were trying to help Dawn out who had been convicted and had a prison sentence because of child pornography. He was never convicted of molestation or anything. He was convicted of possession of child pornography. He spent six years in prison. We tried to help him out, get him back on his feet. He came down this aisle one time, weeping and crying, weeping and crying because of a news story that ABC goes, they'll go after anything, put up. Don went to try to find a job, couldn't find a job, and we found him back here. He hung himself. In fact, I got up under him, me and Chris got up under him trying to pick him up enough to get him loose. We could not. He was dead. He hung himself because of a new story and because of his inability to get a job because nobody would give him a chance. Guess how old his mother was when he was born? Twelve years old. Don's mom was 12 years old living on an Indian reservation when he came into the world. He grew up in an alcoholic, drunk, dysfunctional, broken family. And then we wonder why homeless are where they are. Mom and dad, listen to me closely. Your child is one crisis away from, literally, one crisis away from a catastrophic event that could forever redefine their life. You don't know who they're going to marry. You don't know who they're going to date. You don't know what job they're going to have. You don't know anything. The only thing that you can do is invest in their life while you have them building the principles that I'm telling you. I am not up here talking for my own will to hear myself at all. If you're a parent and you've been watching a live stream or you're here and you've not taken the time to walk your kids through those four words, shame on you. 
Because God didn't give them to me to tell my kids. God gave them to your pastor to tell you. So a catastrophic event. And a lot of times what happens is homeless end up in a catastrophic event on the other side of a catastrophic event because they never had family. They never had anybody to walk them through that difficulty. There was no support system. No, I wrote down here, no strong nuclear family, no extended family structure. And most of all, there was no faith, no faith family. Listen, everybody listen. Your pastor's wife, you've heard me say it. She grew up in a poor basically a lower middle class struggling to make ends meet family with two sisters. Her mom and dad, listen, they were both struggling to make ends meet. She was dating at 14 and married at 16. Married to a guy dealing in drugs to the degree that he was murdered because he held on to money. Now let me tell you what kept her from going under a bridge. She had a dad, Charlie Tucker. There was a time when she was living in rebellion in Texas, out there with her drug uh, husband and all of this. And she can tell you about all that. You wouldn't even believe it if you heard it. You'd say, that can't be true. That's not you. Sheila will even say when she shares the testimony, I feel like I'm talking about somebody else. And she is pre-Jesus somebody else. But Charlie Tucker, her dad, who looked just like John Wayne to me, he was a big man, Charlie Tucker. And his brother Joe Tucker in San Antonio went to get you, tried to bring you home. And when her first husband was killed, a crisis, a catastrophic event, and even the family blaming her for his death, his parents, it was your dad and your mom who rescued you. She always says that Jesus rescued her and that I rescued her. But no, Jesus rescued you because your mom and dad came by your side. Sheila could have forever walked the road of a homeless woman had it not been for the love of parents. Parents, listen. You never wash your hands up. So a catastrophic event. Parent, what you have to do is remember Psalm 127, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Your responsibility is raising your children up so that they understand that firm foundation in Jesus Christ. And you're teaching them how to, na- and I'll close in a moment, you're teaching them how to navigate the things that they're going to face in life. If it's a relationship, they, they, hey, you feel those, you, something's not right? Hey, that's the Holy Spirit. When that happens, and don't date anybody you wouldn't marry, remember. But you're teaching, your, you're teaching your little girl, hey, listen now. As you grow up, there are going to be times you're going to be around somebody, you're going to feel something in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit saying you need to move away from this. Do it. Run. Avoid. Sometimes you can't. You're going to be stuck in that dorm room. You've got to learn how to make it in that relationship or you're stuck in a marriage. Hey, listen, what you're going to have to do, you're going to realize, hey, I'm the salt, light, and yeast. I've got to change this. See, you're teaching your children. At the same time, you're helping them learn how to cope with anxiety, with depression, 
with panic. You're helping them face their fears, right? You're saying, listen, the Bible says fear not. Jesus, God tells you 365 times, don't fear. God didn't give you this spirit of fear. He gave you power, love, and a sound mind. Don't you be intimidated. You're all right. You're going to be all right. Get out there. You're not raising them in a fear. You're just raising them to be strong, godly men and women who can take on the world no matter what the world throws at them. Right? And a lot of times that's what homeless did not have. Now let me give you a thought, and then I'll close. A lot of times what happens to homeless men and women and what happens to parents trying to raise children and why parents sometimes lose children is they don't invent, they're not intentional. Intentional means this, that Courtney, Courtney's a teacher. Edelman and Isla and, and um, Edie, they're, they're, you know, she, she's getting home to them. Now let's say that she's praying and she's going home for her children and all of a sudden God, God's just been bringing Elam to mind all through the day, over and over again. And, and Courtney just can't explain it. She may even text Brian and say, you know, have you heard anything? Is Elam all right? And you know, this and that. Listen, now he's, just, how old is Elam? Seven. He's seven years old. Second grade? Second grade. It's okay. So if she's going home, that she, she just feels this, you know. And so when she gets home, she just begins to, and Elam's not acting right. Something's different about Elam. Elam just, he's not himself. Now the Holy Spirit, who's coming alongside of her, helping her raise Elam, the Holy Spirit is alerting her that something's wrong. Now it could be a bully at school, it could be something. So rather than going through the normal afternoon schedule or whatever, she just simply says, Brian, I think that you need to take Elam. I think you need to go down the ball field, throw, throw the ball with him, and talk to him. Something's wrong. And, and Brian comes back an hour later and says, I found out what it is. There's a new kid in school, and man, he is picking on Elam. Unbelievable. Now, as parents, they've got to figure out how do we teach our child to deal with this bully while at the same time teaching him the Christian principles that we're trying to impress into his life right now you may say well wait a minute i'm gonna close in a moment you may say well why is that important because listen when he's 17 he may not feel the freedom to come tell mom in fact let me tell you what a 17 year old back in our subdivision did he went into his closet and he hung himself and his mom was a professional counselor you see, the reality is with social media and all the things that children are dealing with and plus all the, the world's news, the reality is as parent, you have to be vested into the life of your children every day, every day. And for homeless men and women, they get to a crisis, they get to a conflict, they get to a difficulty and there's nobody hanging out the window saying, I love you. And they go. The teenage boy collapsed in that yard has nobody to pick him up. And he's dealing with the stress and anxiety. And what he does is he learns he turns to alcohol, he turns to drugs. And the story could have been vastly different had a dad not been hanging out the window saying, Son, look at me. I love you. Right? Now, next week, we're going to look at this. 
we're going to look at what why why good what what happens i mean why why do why do good kids go a catastrophe a crisis uh, uh, something happens in my child's life uh, what are they to do you know what i'm going to teach you parent i'm going to teach you what you to teach your children when it comes to a crisis or something in their life that is listen that may take them under I'm going, to give you the, I'm going to give you the tools that you're going to teach your children even while they're small. If you ever come to a crisis, a conflict, a difficulty, your spouse walks out on you because they run off with somebody else. Your, your boss cuts your throat and throws you under the bus when you've stood for what is right. If something goes wrong, or you lose a child, or you lose a spouse, or something goes wrong, listen, <clears throat> I'm going to teach you what to do in a crisis not only for what you will be able to do for yourself, but what you're going to teach your children. When you're in a crisis, this is what I want you to stop. You remember when it's smoke? You remember what we teach kids? Stop, drop. You remember? You had to, you know, this is going to be you saying, stop, drop, pray. And then this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to go through. Then let me say this until you teach them and lead them to Jesus Christ, until you model that relationship with Christ, you can't do anything, right? Do you know Christ? Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to You, and Lord, we love You and we praise You. Lord, for much of this sermon, and, and so often like a teacher, a teacher will review some of the basic principles over and over and over again to help a student learn to ingrain it into their mind, into their heart, into their being so that it becomes literally almost second nature. Lord Jesus Christ gave us clear direction. He said that if you'll not only hear my word, but you will put them into practice, then no matter what wind, no matter what storm, no matter what rain, no matter what gale force wind may come against you, can never, never take down the house because the house is built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ as Jesus told Peter and his disciples when he said, Peter, I am the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. May we understand and may we teach our children that not even all the forces of hell can stand against even a seven-year-old child who is saved standing on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. And for that 17-year-old at 17, may Elam remember that. For that 17-year-old at 27, when marriage and family begin to come along, if that's your will, may he remember that. When, that. when that little boy is 37, in the middle of raising his family and trying to keep his job together and balancing all of those things, may Elam remember when he's 47 and he starts carting them off to college and feels like sometimes his heart is going to rip out of his chest. May Elam look at his sons and his daughters and may he say, I prayed for you.
Now remember those words, avoid and alter, accept, adapt. Remember, no matter what you face here, if you, you need me, here's my number, you call me. When Elam's 57 and life begins to change and retirement's around the corner and trying to figure out what do you do with the rest of your life when he's 67 and he starts finding himself getting older and body not working quite right and memory begins to fade and words don't come quickly. When Elam is 77 and he begins to look around and many of the people that he loved are already gone. He knows that it won't be long before God may call him. And then one day when Elam is an old man and he pulls together his sons and his daughter, his daughters, his children, his grandchildren, maybe great-grandchildren, as he gathers that spiritual legacy around him and Brian and Courtney are hanging over the banister of heaven or looking at the scene along with Jesus. May Elam say, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith, and henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Lord, may we realize that that's what's important. And God, may you wrap your arms around every parent today who may be frightened and may be afraid. May they realize just as Moses and Daniel, just as those parents of those young men, as Esther's parents, her raised not even by her parents, raised by Mordecai, a cousin, an uncle. We pray, dear Lord, that you would remind these parents that you have not given them the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. May they trust you. And we pray, dear Lord, for any man or woman, boy or girl, who may not know you, they've never been saved, that they can do what my wife did in a college room one day. They can find that place, kneel down and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me, come into my heart, Save me, Lord. Save me. And begin, dear Lord, this spiritual legacy of men and women who will follow, who will be men and women of God. Lord, may you wrap your arms around this congregation, whatever decision needs to be made, that it will be made right now, today, that no pride would keep us from doing what we know we need to do. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You come. May never be a moment like this moment. You come. You come. You need somebody to pray with you. You come. You need to spend a moment at this altar. What a sweet place to go, mom, dad. Maybe as a mom and dad to come, parents. Spend a moment at the altar. Call your children out by name. Pray for them. You come. You haven't been saved. You want to give your life to Christ. Come today. Be saved. Serve the Lord from this day forward. You come.